Hello, everyone. Welcome to a single tree podcast. This is episode number 16. And today we're going to talk about being where you are. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Now we can be where we are. Yes. I'm Joel. I'm Brandon. And uh, we're glad you've joined us today. Thanks for listening. And um, we hope that. Uh, this is helpful. We hope we can make a difference in your world as you seek to make a difference in your world. And we appreciate your um, feedback and comments and questions. We'd love for you to be a part of this discussion and um, hope that we can um, touch, touch base with you soon. And uh, last episode, we talked about creativity, how um, we can create beauty out of the most difficult circumstances We'll uh, continue a little bit in that vein today, um, but uh, one of the things that happens for people when they experience trauma or difficulty is they feel like this shouldn't be happening, and um, you know they feel like they should have a different life. They'd like to have a different life. They don't want what has happened to have happened, and. Um, Sometimes that mindset can prevent you from actually moving through it in a creative way. So we're going to talk about the importance of being where you are. Um, you know, when bad things happen, traumatic things happen, we also um, really don't trust our own responses to it a lot of times. So we, we feel like the things that we're feeling and experiencing aren't okay aren't right we want to be we want to be different and, and so we start to even judge ourselves we judge our experience and we judge ourselves and and when we do that we prevent ourselves from actually moving through and just being where we need to be at that at that moment you know mm -hmm. we need to experience some kind of healing and moving through grief and all the different emotions that trauma brings and uh if we can't be in them it's almost impossible to to move through them and actually get get to the healing, get get to a different place. Yeah, it it keeps us stuck and actually makes things even worse. Well, probably even more likely. You know, we talked last um, podcast about transmitting and transforming. You know, pain. It seems like you know if we're resisting our experience and, and judging it, we're much more likely to go the route of transmitting rather mm -hmm. than transforming. But mm -hmm. yeah, we have. Yeah. I think it's kind of a program that we all run is that you know we should be happy and in peace. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm not sure exactly, you know, that, that comes through our society and kind of what we're taught, you know, different things like that, you know, movies and society and all of that. But regardless of where it comes from, we have this expectation, right? That, that we should be happy and that um, everything should be okay or... Mm -hmm. Um, but that can be pretty dangerous when 
and it actually can cause us to second guess like i said in or like you said earlier um second guess and question and judge an experience that you're having yeah somewhere along the line we got this idea that what comes into our consciousness shouldn't be there mm -hmm. well, yeah which is or it's usually the natural <laughs> we have these natural responses to what happens and, and then we feel like they shouldn't be there but yeah i think people are are naturally oriented toward safety and comfort and when something bad happens there's this feeling that it shouldn't have happened right mm -hmm. so you so you judge the experience itself and so there's there's kind of this paradox presented we've been talking about paradox and the, and the paradox there is you know life is good and bad mm. you know um these two opposing things and and um so we kind of have this expectation that it's going to be good when something bad happens we're, we're forced to deal with that paradox that you know life has maybe been good and it but it's also definitely been bad now that that this bad thing has happened so um and then all these experiences these feelings ensue um and so so basically how this looks is that um when you when you experience something traumatic or loss um then you might feel angry right which is sort of a natural response to something when something bad happens um and but then you start to sort of measure yourself and your own responses up against what you think you're what you think you should be feeling right we don't we don't think it's right to feel anger we feel like at our best selves we um or if we're our best selves then um we should be able to get over it we should be able to handle it well we should be able to um, you know, re retain our sense of calm and, you know, even though these tragic destructive things have happened. Um, and so we start to judge ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We get these, these ideas about how we should be mm -hmm. through comparing ourselves to other people or what we watch on TV or whatever. Mm -hmm. We start to it starts early on in our life. We have these ideas about how how we should be. Yeah. And then if this very natural, inherent human experience starts to arise in us and it doesn't align itself with the mind or the brain's idea of how we should be, then there's this dissonance or, you know, judgment that comes mm -hmm. which we could also call shame i think uh that everybody has this sort of archetype in their mind of what they think they should be whether that's uh, a person or persons that they've seen they think are are successful human beings or people who have it together or whatever um, and those are the people that we tend to judge ourselves based on we we uh we see maybe them having overcome some things or being strong or, you know, however we characterize those people that we see as, as successful or competent. Um, and then 
when something bad happens and we feel these these feelings of anger or we feel out of control or we feel just uh, kind of the lost the lost feelings that feel weak um, we compare ourselves against others and that's when we start to shame ourselves really yeah we, we can we can get caught up in mimicking mm-hmm. the behaviors of the people that we respect or admire mm-hmm. um but mimicking behavior is not an authentic process. Yeah, well, it's it's funny because you you don't really see the process that that person has gone through. Well, first of all, you don't even see if sometimes what they are or how they are is authentic. <laughs> Maybe they're just pretending or mimicking someone else. Um but you also don't know the process that they've gone through to get there, mm-hmm. right? It's possible they felt exactly the same way you do, you know, in this in their trauma or their loss or, or you know, sometimes we think maybe the trauma and loss shouldn't even be there, you know, that, that that person maybe hasn't experienced that kind of thing. But we don't see the process that they've gone through to get strong, you know, and so you just feel like you can make yourself do it without going through all the painful stuff to get there. Yeah. You know? And we're assuming that that the that the behavior that they're presenting is authentic. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's one thing to act strong. It's one it's a very different thing to be strong. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. We have all of these concepts and ideas and judgments about all of that stuff and mm-hmm. you know, that stuff just gets throughout life just layers and layers and layers of that Hmm. just get added onto us in our minds the older we get you know I love that you know when you were talking about children in play therapy you know you you were saying that that's a really good example um because they're just working their stuff out as it comes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you want to yeah. say more about why you thought that was a good... Yeah, I I think it's great. It's a great example of how, you know, um, people can actually... I mean, people will naturally sort of work themselves through trauma when they're not conscious of it or or even of themselves, you know, um, you know, when we're kids and, you know, we experience stress, we, we might've experienced trauma. Um, we, we just automatically adapt to our situation and, and start, you know, just doing what we know to do to work it out or whatever, however you want to put that. Um, and so a lot of times kids in play therapy, there's kind of non-directive play therapy. They, they don't need a lot of direction. They'll kind of, they know they're in a safe place and they'll, and they'll work out what they need to work out without, without thinking too much about themselves. I didn't really think about this until now, but I was in, uh, I had spent some time in, in India at a children's home. Mm-hmm. 
And what you're talking about reminds me of my time there. I, I spent 12 days at a children's home uh, that took in uh, street children who were terribly abused. And this was at a point in my life where I was able to get some training from um, Bruce Perry, you know, mm-hmm. the, and he was kind of a guru, and I thought that mm-hmm. I knew quite a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was excited to go there and, you know, help them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was there two days and learned very quickly that I didn't have anything to teach them. (laughs) That they were already doing so many of the things that I had learned and they were doing it in really creative ways. Mm. What... they were doing was creating an environment of just safety first. Hmm. And they let the children who would be coming in find their own way to integrate into the system. Oh, wow. They gave them, they gave them space. They gave them just enough organization throughout the day. You know, you get up in the morning, you have breakfast during the day you have lunch, in the evening you have dinner. I mean, that was just kind of their three things that organized their day. The rest of the day was just unstructured play with really? with the rest of the children. And it was brilliant wow. because there would be, there was um, some some children would be more distant or, you know, mm-hmm. Um, isolated and it would be kind of the Western way to try to come in and, you know, make them integrate into the system. But the leadership at this children's home said, no, just let, let them be and find their own natural way to integrate. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what you were talking about. Wow. It was amazing. And And it worked. They let they let these children just work work their stuff out in this open, wow, and less structured and safe environment. They left them alone <laughs> to let to let these kids work their stuff out, and that's kind of what you're saying is yep. that they trusted first of all that the human experience would would is okay. And they trusted that 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 yeah. these children would be able to find their way. Wow! And it was extraordinary. It was eye opening for me mm-hmm. because they come from a paradigm of trusting the human experience mm-hmm. and allowing for the process to to work in them, mm-hmm. and that the process was going to work in them and they would be able to integrate. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, kind of in the West, you know, we come from a paradigm where it's more forceful and structured and organized and Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be having this experience, you know, try to have this one. Mm. They had a totally different perspective of there. It was beautiful. Yeah, sometimes we try to tell people how to work through their stuff you know or even kids we tell them how to feel or we tell them um, how to pay attention to their feelings even and you know which is not bad but 
um, they will naturally sort of work through the things on their own. They may not even ever say anything about it. It may just happen. So that's a, that's a really beautiful example. When I was a kid, I, um, you know, I played basketball a lot in my backyard. Um, and I just think like all of us have these ways that we did that very naturally when we were kids. I mean, I would play basketball for hours. I, I mean, I wore the whole, like it was my basketball goal was on a grass part of the yard and I wore the whole space out and it was all dirt, hard dirt. Cause I dribbled the ball so much. And, um, it was just the way that I was working through stress, I guess. I got, I got a basketball goal at my house when I was an adult and I I forgot how therapeutic it was for me to just be bouncing the ball and shooting baskets. And, um, so I think there's these ways we naturally find to sort of like almost become mindless and just work the difficulty trauma out of our bodies almost. Yeah. I mean, you know, these, these, these kids don't need to have this eloquent way of expressing what they're working out you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they're just it's just energy to them you Mm -hmm. know what i mean or Mm -hmm. some vague emotion but that's what it is on a basic level regardless of whether you're three or 83 it's still energy it's still energy Mm -hmm. either way Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm The, the difference between the 83-year-old and the 3-year-old is that the 3-year-old doesn't have a pile of concepts <laughs> laid over this basic energy that needs to be worked out. You right. know what I mean? And it actually inhibits, actually inhibits it, mm. you know? Yeah, sure. Whereas these children are just working on a basic level they're not even necessarily consciously working there's it's just that energy is being worked out yeah in the you know like children in play are very creative you know we were talking about the the value of creativity and resolving trauma you know but kids just naturally sort of like create in play and and every child's play is different and, and each of them, I mean, they sort of know what they need. Um, and so trying to lay these concepts on them doesn't even help or make sense. Um, but they creatively work it out just in their, in their own way, you know, based on who they are and what they've experienced. Um, it's really a beautiful thing. It is. And, and it's a natural, inherent, mm-hmm. essential thing that's happening in all of us all of the time Mm -hmm. and when we start judging that basic process Mm -hmm. as wrong or something that shouldn't be happening Mm -hmm. or try to avoid it that's when we start compounding our pain Mm -hmm. and adding whole other layers to to the pain Mm -hmm. the goal the goal might be to get back to where you're having no thoughts about yourself you know these judgments that are based on our archetypes or who we think we should be are just extra layers of thought you know 
um, you have the initial experience of difficulty, anger, or pain, and then you add a layer of self-judgment or even judging your experience, which, which kind of bogs you down and prevents you from moving through the experience. Yeah. So, I think, you know, one of the most important messages, at least right now, and what we're talking about is getting in touch with and maybe creating space for and accepting a very basic process that's happening inside of us. Mm-hmm. And giving ourselves permission to have it. Mm-hmm. And and to trust it and, and to let it work through us. And Yeah. You need to get it back to that place where you trust your yourself, where you trust your experience, where you trust your emotions. How do you how do you how would you tell people to do that? What are some ways to do that? Well, that's tr- that can be tricky, you know. Because... I mean, you could you could talk about treatment options and stuff like that, sure. or treatment approaches, I guess. Um, I th- I well, I think the reason why maybe I'm that question seems big to me is because it seems so. That advice would just be so individualized. Sure, but. You know, for me, you know, in my own experience and just learning how to trust that process required me just get having time and space to even discover what what that could be. Mm -hmm. Um, And it required me kind of getting to know myself a little bit. Okay. If that if that makes sense. Say more. Um It required me to start getting an an understanding of what that basic process feels like inside. Mm-hmm. And find unique ways of working it out in, in, in things that are meaningful to me. So, you know, we've mm-hmm. talked about this before. Like nature is mm-hmm. a really, really important way for me to work work stuff out. Mm-hmm. So what I would suggest for, for others is get clear on what you like. <laughs> yeah. What feels good to you. Yeah, what feels good to you. What feels nat- what, what feels natural as far as how do you how do you like work work these things out and exercise them or whatever um, <clears throat> yeah I think I mean I think the key is like just unlocking your judgment about yourself you know stopping judging yourself um, and giving yourself the freedom I, I think it's helpful to maybe go back and think about like what you were like as a kid and how you naturally sort of like worked out trauma and stress um because those are the probably the things that that you really connect with that you really like that make you feel good now yeah 
I think that's a I think that's a great that's a great example. And you know we can't just you know by adulthood we're we're well on the train of self judgment, right? And so mm-hmm. it's hard to just stop a a freight train. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, one of the most important, one of the other things I would suggest is just notice when you're judging yourself. Mm -hmm. If you get really good at that, then you have the opportunity Mm -hmm. and the option of just turning away from it. Yeah. It's amazing how much difficulty grownups have at just feeling their feelings. You know, like it takes some people a lot of work to first start becoming aware of when they're judging their experience and then like trying to quiet that voice down that's constantly judging how they feel or or their experience and allow themselves to just enter pure emotion Mm -hmm. some of this requires a reorientation with your relationship with the brain Mm mm-hmm you know yeah and your mind i mean trying to find a place to live deeper than just your brain and your mind and trusting Mm -hmm. that that is a Mm -hmm. that place is safe and okay yeah yeah you know if sometimes like you'll get swept away in emotion though i think that i think that that's helpful sometimes to you know sometimes things catch you off guard um it can even be a movie but if you experience something really uh significant in your life you know good or bad sometimes you can get swept away in emotion some of us have more trouble with that than others but that's a great thing you you know and then you're hopefully not operating out of your mind then and thinking you're just you're just in the experience which is great yeah and it's okay yeah I mean somehow we've just got to be you know be willing to, to entertain the idea that what's coming into our consciousness is is okay whether it be uncomfortable or seemingly unacceptable or any of these things mm-hmm. that it's okay mm-hmm. yeah I'm reminded of the the meaningful meaninglessness paradox that we've been talking about on and off in the paradox podcast episodes um but you know and just thinking about kids on a playground you know i know i know we talked about that you know but a kid who's building something or digging in the sand on the playground has basically no thoughts of himself or herself you know um they're just they're just creating Right, and we talked last time about how the create creating is actually probably a product of all of the experiences, you know, and who that person is, 
um, and just how how easy it is for a, a kid to get swept away in you know just the process of being where he or she is I mean you, you can lose when you're a kid on the playground you can lose all track of time for hours mm-hmm. right until um, your parent comes to get to you or or calls you to come home um, and there's so much there's so much creativity and there's so much going on there um, I think for kids as they do that that is so healing and so I mean it's just a natural you know they're, they're working through all of the experiences and emotions and um, having no thought about it at all mm. <laughs> you know so the thoughts are really what kill us a lot of times. It's just, uh, you know, when we start when we start thinking about ourselves and comparing ourselves and judging ourselves, that's what really slows that process down for us. I Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's, you know, that's a hard thing to kind of start living into maybe for, for people. You know, we have grown these big busy lives right Mm -hmm. and i mean you have you have you have a a busy complex life yeah but you also value these things that we're discussing i mean Mm -hmm. how where's how do you integrate what we're talking about into into your life um i think ideally i'd like to think of work even as um kind of just what i do on the playground um you know ideally my work would be creative i'd be doing something you know um hopefully having fun it's always fun but um you know, it's not, it's not much different, you know, when you're, when you're doing something on the playground in the sand, you're, you're building something, you're digging, you're doing work. Um, and yet there's no thought of, (laughs) should I be doing this? Or is this my best life? Or, you know, should I be doing something else? Or am I productive enough? Or am I okay? Even, you know, there's, there's no thoughts about that and um you know kids kids on the playground just they just do stuff they just work you know they just they just play um there's no there's none of those self-aware thoughts um and so i think for me ideally when i'm at when i'm functioning at my best i'm just doing stuff and having no thought of myself you know the the things that really make up stress for us a lot of times are, um, you know, the thoughts we have about maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not good enough because my work is not good enough or because I don't make enough money or I don't have, um, or I'm not performing in the job that I, um, that I have. Um, and those, those types of thoughts are actually, I think what become our stress um and we have them constantly right so it's not i mean it's not just the 
the going to work and doing the work that is stressful. I mean, it's more the thoughts that are attached to the work that are what kind of wear on us over time and even erode our sense of well-being, you know? Um, so it's just trying to be present to whatever you're doing. Be, be where you are, you know? When I'm at when I'm at home trying to be with my kids and play with them and be present with them and help them work through all the difficult emotions that they're feeling and being present to those and, you know, just doing stuff. That's how I try to, you know, do it in everyday life. How about for you? It's similar. It's similar. I just... I just kind of follow what comes next. Mm -hmm. You know, naturally my day is kind of structured. So I just... I don't really... think about the whole of my day I just take it as it comes you know similarly just meet what meet what is presented respond to what's in front of you yeah I mean Mm -hmm. it makes it much more enjoyable Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm it's harder when you when something bad happens you know you know when when you experience a loss or a grief you know that that's what those are the thing the times when your <laughs> ability to be present and just be where you are is really challenged you know and so at that time i think it's a little bit harder to just be in the pain of that sure <clears throat> and that happens all the time to us you know, bad things happen, small, and, you know, on a different scale, you know, some of the time it's small things, big things, but um, it's happening all the time. Yeah, I think with with, with trauma, it, it can be more difficult because the emotions of certain events um, are very, very strong. Mm -hmm. And strong emotion can actually be triggering. Strong emotion, you know, to the brain and the nervous system at some point becomes unsafe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of you know one aspect of of how I understand trauma it's it's it just dis- it it can distort things a little bit mm-hmm. and so a lot of the work then seems to be just kind of finding a reorientation to these very basic human experiences that 
because of certain traumatic events have, have started to be construed as dangerous or wrong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been my experience in, in helping people just reorient themselves to basic experiences has been really healing and freeing. Mm-hmm. To help them kind of out of that conti- continued dis- distortion of a of a basic human experience, mm-hmm. you know. What is the basic human experience that you're talking about that gets distorted? Well, I mean, I think one of them is through emotion, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, a really good example of that is. It's, it's been my experience that people um, who've experienced mm, some pretty significant trauma have difficulty with the emotion of anger. Mm-hmm. Either being around it from others uh-huh. or allowing themselves to feel it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and what I've learned from these people that I've that that I've worked with is that they don't let themselves feel the energy of anger. First of all, because of programs that we're all taught, you know, anger's bad, anger's this, but trauma really puts a whole other kind of distortion on that with anger means violence Mm -hmm. so people will estrange themselves from this energy of anger first of all because they don't want to think of themselves as a violent person Mm -hmm. or a bad person because that's how anger was projected onto them Mm -hmm. so they won't allow themselves to connect with that emotion because they don't want to find themselves in in the likeness of the person that hurt them to be a perpetrator right of abuse rather than right. just a victim right so the, you know somewhere in the in that experience of 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 the trauma there's been this connection of if if i allow anger to be there if i allow mm-hmm. myself to to be angry then i am then i am like my perpetrator mm-hmm. which makes sense that the brain would make that connection in that kind of context Mm -hmm. definitely sure but what i've also found is that with people who are willing to allow themselves permission to reconnect with the energy of emotion they're really able to start to and they can really allow themselves to to feel the the energy of anger and to let it be there Mm -hmm. they can start exploring it and they can start using it in ways that will help them find healing so oftentimes Mm -hmm. um, if I'm working with someone and they're willing to allow themselves the energy of anger they can often 
typically what I see is they're they go they go the direction of being able to kind of really take concrete steps in putting boundaries in place. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so they're um, using the anger that way. Sure. Because boundaries. They, sure, because they start to understand okay. that anger is, is actually necessary. Mm-hmm. That anger kind of operates as this 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 red flag that something um is is happening right Mm -hmm. and they can they can use that as an indicator to but to put a boundary in place if they need to Mm -hmm. that's powerful yeah but that's not going to happen if we don't allow ourselves to open up to the emotion the 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 emotion, which is just a basic human emotion or experience. Right. So the one of the practical things that people can do is, is to really go back and kind of experience the visceral emotions that are normal when you experienced trauma. What are some safe ways to do that? How do you keep yourself safe as you do that? Well, I think you want to be around safe people. Yeah, it's good. First and foremost. It's good. That's probably the most important thing that I would mm-hmm. that I would suggest. Mm-hmm. Know who you're around and know that they're safe. Second of all, kind of have an idea of what 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 your red line is mm-hmm. red line being how do you know when you're just kind of past the point of being able to mm-hmm. you know what 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 are your boundaries of 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 control where were you willing to let yourself mm-hmm. go right it's a really important tangible thing that can be identified mm-hmm yeah, I think it's important too. I mean, part of a big part of what we're saying is that uh, people need to be able to trust themselves, and and um, you know, you are a container for all of the energy and emotion that you have that has come from the difficulty or the trauma, um, and you know, it's surprising to people a lot of times, like what they can allow themselves to experience um, and that they can contain it. You know, I, I mean, I think we feel a lot of times if we allow ourselves to experience these really intense emotions that we're just going to fall apart or we're going to do something mm-hmm. to harm someone else. But, but actually, you know, you're able to, you know, as you, as you learn to do this, you're able to um, just allow your, yourself to experience these really, really intense emotions um, and to do it in a way that's not destructive to anyone else or yourself. Um, and when we're not paying attention to trauma, when we're not paying attention to the emotional experience that we have of it, that's when it actually can be dangerous and you're unthinkingly passing it on to someone else, hurting yourself or hurting someone else. Um, 
because you're not seeking to do it on purpose, to, mm -hmm. to work it out on purpose. So I think it's important to be purposeful too in it and know that when you're allowing yourself to do this, you're not just doing it haphazardly, you're doing it um, for a specific purpose to work out your own trauma and have it become a creative force maybe in the world and in, in your own life and the lives of others. Yeah. Yeah. Anger can be a good starting point. Mm -hmm. You know, whether we've experienced profound and complex trauma or not, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're kind of all, you know, as a society, we kind of all kind of continue to run this program that anger is is bad and that bad people have anger and mm -hmm. um which is nonsense and right. everyone has anger right and um that can be an emotion uh, that can be an emotion that w we would all be well served to um, allow ourselves and to understand better. Mm -hmm. So the idea is just to take, be to be where you are and take the um, emotional experience that you're having and find some safe space to be able to really experience it at its its depths, um, which is a scary thing for a lot of people, but. Um, it's, you know, it's key. It's impossible to avoid if you want to get better, if you want to become productive and creative and constructive in your difficulty and stress and trauma. Um, I don't know that you'll be able to avoid that. Not for long, at least. Mm-hmm. Or you can, but there will be consequences. I mean, you can't... You can't heal and evolve and grow if you're resisting, you know, just a basic human experience. Mm -hmm. And then work like that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So practically, it's good to, you know, figure out what what it is that you're you're feeling and, and just be able to feel it get with a safe person that can help you do that some people don't have insight into what's going on inside of them it's helpful to talk to someone who can help you um, identify kind of you know your emotional experience and and where that energy is sort of come from and what it is and how you know how to talk about it what words to use and, and things like that and then to really sort of get get in touch with your visceral experience of it, which is essential. And it's not where you're going to land, you know. We're not meant to, you know, go around just, um, you know, kind of putting that out on others all of the time or, or you know, like um, just in those visceral emotions all the time. But it's a means to an end. It's a you must travel through it to get to a different relationship with the trauma or with the stress. Um, 
and it's important to, you know, make sure that you're not judging yourself or your experience as you do that. And, um, you know, having few thoughts of yourself, if, if any, um, to allow yourself just to kind of naturally work out that, that trauma and difficulty. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Are there other things that you'd tell people to do practically? I think just get, get get good at recognizing when something's bothering you or something's going on inside. I'd say that is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, out of that awareness, do something to work out the energy. Maybe it's, that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm at that point you just need to know that something's happening inside mm-hmm. then go take a walk and maybe that walk leads you to more awareness of an understanding of what it is great uh-huh. but just on a basic level be aware of when when something's happening inside mm-hmm yeah, you might also think about what you did when you were a kid to, you know, just feel calm and playful and, you know, because you probably found these natural ways of adapting to stress that you weren't even aware of, you know, because you weren't thinking about yourself. And if you can allow yourself to, you know, allow yourself to do those things without too many thoughts of yourself, then that's a positive thing you you will naturally sort of be able to work through things I like it sounds like a good start well thanks for joining us everyone we'd love to hear from you and let us know your thoughts about these things and we'll talk to you next time thank you